Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. <laughs> B-F-F-T. From the Pac West Center in downtown Portland, presented by High Caliber Millwrights, here's John Canzano with a bald-faced truth. Well, I found myself thinking, you know, who do I want to talk to today? Do I want to talk with uh, somebody who knows the NFL? Yes. Do I want to talk with a Hall of Fame voter? Yes. Do I want to talk to a guy who has covered the NFL at the highest levels? A host on the Talk of Fame Network, Hall of Fame voter, diehard Tom Brady believer, and a Beatles fan, I think. Clark Judge is joining us, as he has over the years. Thank you for making time. I appreciate it, Clark. You got it, John. How are you? I'm doing well. You know, although I grew up a Niner fan, so, you know, it was kind of a dud uh, watching that game. Yeah, it was a dud for anyone watching the NFL, I think. Um, they didn't have a chance once the quarterback went down, and I, I don't think I've ever seen a second half quite like that where they really didn't try to – they couldn't throw the ball downfield, never tried to throw the ball downfield. Um, it was a real anticlimactic performance by a team that had so – achieved so much this year and I felt it was sort of um, the circle of, of life really they, they started and ended the same way they, they lost their quarterback at the beginning of the season and they lost their third stringer at the end and then the fourth stringer and they go to Christian McCaffrey and they went through five quarterbacks or four and one running back but it was a tough season yet they really excelled in what they were able to do and in the end it was a non-fight I mean they, they, it's kind of tough to win a game when you don't have a quarterback does you know the league better than anybody, and you know how they think and and what will be said, you know Monday morning in the office. Clark, does does someone come in Monday morning going, we need to look at the fifty three man roster and add QBs, or do they view it as that was an outlier? You know, it hasn't happened, and you know it's unfortunate that it did. No, they view it as an outlier. Uh, honestly, they, they have their QBs. They they had three, and then they had to add, add Josh Johnson as a fourth. There are some teams, and very few um, in the past, that carried two. But uh, Tyler recommended you carry three simply because of the, the beating quarterbacks take. But they had the starter, and it was Trey Lance. And then he bows out in the second game, I think it was. And then Garoppolo comes in. What do we know about Jimmy Garoppolo? He gets hurt a lot. That's why they drafted Trey Lance. But then they just take a flyer on this seventh-round draft pick, the last player in the draft, Mr. Irrelevant, and they find something. And he went through the entire Last end of the season in the playoffs, he you know, starts seven, eight games, wins them all, and there was no hint of any injury until then. And honestly, it was a sort of freak thing, except I'll be honest with you, and I said this publicly, I don't understand how any coach could leave a backup tight end to protect your quarterback against Hassan Reddick. I just don't understand that. I think that was a real coaching error on the part of Kyle Shanahan. What do you make of the Devonta Smith uh, replay? Eagles get up to the line of scrimmage. You know, um, mm-hmm. your 49ers wish they had that one back, but 
you know, did that go down right in your eyes, or is there something that should else that should have happened? Well, I'm somewhere in between here. I'm not going to answer you on, on either side. What should have happened was obviously they should have called for a challenge. But when you saw the replays, I didn't see anything until they showed them a second time, and then I went, oh, wait a minute, I think the ball just moved. They should throw a challenge flag. By that point, I think the Eagles were up at the line of scrimmage, and I heard what Shanahan said after the game. There was no replay that he saw that anyone in their booth saw that indicated the ball had moved. I, I, I kind of find that hard to believe if, if I saw it and others did too, but it came at the tail end. So by that time, either the ball was on the verge of being snapped or had been snapped, but I saw it and so did others. And I thought, well, I think I would throw a flag in there because that's a big play. I mean, it's a really big play. And yet other people saying, you know, now we need another system here with the eye in the sky, a sky judge where you get more like a college system. I can see that to a point, except there's no flow to the game then, John. And that, and that's what we talked about, you know, for years, we've got to get more of a flow. They were stopping the game for everything. When we had the catch, no catch rule, it wasn't a catch. The guy had two steps, three steps. Couldn't quite figure out what was going on. And there was no flow to any game. And all of a sudden you realize the officials are the stars, not the players. The officials are making all the calls. So we got less of the officials being involved, which was more for the fans. They thought this was better. But in this case, yeah, I think something probably should have been done. Should have been done by the head coach. And honestly, if, if um, I were in that position, and I wasn't sure. The minute a receiver jumps up and starts saying, line up immediately, there's your telltale sign. If he believes that they're going to find something, he probably did drop it. Clark Judge with us, uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame voter, longtime NFL writer. Uh, Tom Brady being bantered about is the missing piece in San Francisco. Does he fit in your mind? No, I don't think so. They've had chances to sign him before, Adam, before. He wants to go there or has wanted to go there because that's the team he grew up loving when he was living in San Mateo, and then he went to uh, many games when he was there. But it, it, he's not going to be the guy. They, they've got two young guys on their roster. That's him. Three. I mean, Garoppolo's not that old. Garoppolo's not going to play there next year. We know that. He'll be a free agent. But you got Trey Lance, who they mortgaged the future for, and now you've got Brock Purdy. And the question is, well, who do they start next year, or do they go out and get an Aaron Rodgers or a Tom Brady? To be Brady's off the table. Aaron Rodgers, possible, but a long shot. I mean, he's not this young guy. He's uh, 39, I think, at this point. He went to Cal across the the, the water, he, he across the bay. He wanted to play for the 49ers. Instead, they drafted Alex Smith. I was there when that happened in terms of being at the draft, and I remember covering Aaron Rodgers. He was living. And I saw him years later in Green Bay and brought it up to him again. He was still living. So he really wanted to play there, and, and that may be – something he tries to angle for, but I don't see the front office going for it. First of all, it's going to cost you draft capital that you probably don't have. Why? Because you mortgage the future when you drafted Trey Lance. Well, what do you know about Trey Lance? We really don't know anything. He didn't play his rookie year. I mean, he played in two games, but kind of got in there um, for brief periods. And then he started the season in Chicago, lost it, and then got hurt. And that's it. We've got a very brief snapshot of him in two seasons. But there was enough there that I know in and around that organization, there's some questions about him. Remember when Joe Montana in this offseason said, this guy's not ready. From what little I saw, and I'm not a scout, but I'd say the same thing. He's not ready. I'm not sure what they saw to make them so infatuated with him. That said, you've seen Brock Purdy. 
He carried you through the end of the season, carried you to the playoffs. He didn't lose. And honestly, in my mind, he didn't lose that game yesterday either. Didn't play long enough. So you've got a guy who's taking you to a conference championship game versus someone else that you mortgaged the future for and you believed in two years ago. What do you do? And, and my point is what you do is you opt in favor of the guy that you know. The guy that you know is Brock Purdy. With Trey Lance, he's probably not going to sit on that bench for long. You could you could probably trade him for more than one draft pick at this point. There's someone else. If you believe strongly in him, probably there are others that do as well. And he's a young guy who's got a future ahead of him. It doesn't seem, in my mind, to be in San Francisco just because of what I've seen for Brock Purdy. But in answer to your initial question, no, they had enough quarterbacks. They had three. I mean, everyone carries three, basically, most everyone. Um, so they had three, and then they got Josh Johnson. They covered themselves. Just a freak thing. It's a really great thing. Do you like the matchup in the Super Bowl? Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, Jalen Hurts and the Eagles. Yeah, I do. There's so many storylines there. The Kelsey's, Andy Reid, Philadelphia. I mean, there's a lot of storylines there. Um, I was hoping for Philadelphia and Cincinnati because those were the two most complete teams out there in my mind. I'd still say that. Um, that doesn't mean that the Bengals should have won yesterday. They were beaten by a better team. Kansas City played a better game than Cincinnati. It wasn't the Bengals that we saw the week before for whatever reason. They were on their heels, and I understand what your listeners would say. They're on the heels because the, the defense they played was much better. Yeah, it, 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 it was yesterday, but really shouldn't be. Um, they were ranked 31st in red zone defense, and yet when the Bengals got down there to the goal line, they couldn't score. I mean, they had two field goals there um, and couldn't score, so um, then they, then when they tied up late in the, you know, in the game, they, the, the Chiefs made the stops and they got the sack and they got the sack that Buffalo couldn't the week before. All that said, I'm one of those who was appalled by the officiating, to be honest with you, but I was appalled by the officiating throughout yesterday's games, not just that one, the game before too, um, the San Francisco game. Neither crew decided what happened in those and neither crew made one of those teams win. Both the teams that won should have won. But I would think the NFL might take a long, hard look at what that rolled out yesterday and say, we need to do a better job of calling these games if these are the best crews that we're putting out there. What does that mean for the Super Bowl? I mean, if these are your best crews for the championship game, I mean, how much better is the crew going to be for the Super Bowl? I, I, much better? It better be because there were so many calls that were missed and then calls that were made there you go what i mean i just i i, I think the nfl had itself a problem yesterday and the problem is that instead of talking about patrick mahomes and the eagles today many people are talking about the officiating crews yeah and I, I keep coming back to that do you think the officiating is improving about the same is it uh, under more scrutiny because of uh, our ability to uh, very quickly react and social media plays a role, sure. What do you see when it comes to the officiating? Well, I, I think it's um, under more scrutiny because of social media and also because of replay. I mean, we're stopping things frame by frame by frame. But you didn't need to stop anything frame by frame by frame to notice that the Eagles right tackle, Lane Johnson, was moving before the ball snaps. I mean, I kept looking and going, am I missing something? Where are the flags? He, he's standing up before that ball snapped, and they didn't call it. Called it, And then when someone did break it down frame by frame, you realize, boy, this is pretty blatant. But I've seen it before this year, John. I really have. I, I think it was the Chargers. Their right tackle was watching the game, and I thought, 
he's moving before that snap. Yeah. And they weren't calling it. And I know there was a um, movement several years ago to say, listen, unless it's egregious, let it go. I mean, because we're having too many stoppages, let it go. And generally that was with holding calls. And it made the games move faster, which the NFL wants. And there was more of a, of a flow to the game, which the NFL also wants. And so does fans. But there are things like that. It, if you're going to let that go, then don't tell me that something else, which isn't quite as noticeable, that you're going to call. You, it, to me, the thing that I want and everyone wants is consistency. And that's what we don't have now, especially, I think, with pass interference. I don't know what pass interference is because some crews call them differently. And I'd say, honestly, if, if I were to address this, what I'd probably do is instead of de- having these all-star crews, which is what they have, they'll take the, the best referee at that point and then pair him up with um, a top line judge, a top back judge. But their guys haven't worked together. I'd simply take that referee's crew that he's worked with all year and have him work the Super Bowl. I have him or work the playoffs, I'm sorry, but work the playoffs. Instead, they get these all-star crews that haven't really played or, or coached or sorry, officiated together. Um, but um, keep them intact instead of throwing these guys together for a weekend and, and let him go at it because um, consistency is everything. And you're never sure what they're going to call now. I mean, there was a play yesterday where Burr was pushed to the ground. I realized it was a push to go. It was not a big deal. But uh, it was, I think it was Frank Clark, took like four steps and then shoved him. Well, the rule is you can't take two steps and do it. Took four and then shoved him to the ground and Burrow throws up his hands like, what was that? Well, that was my question. What was that? Um, there was a hit out of bounds when the Bengals were driving at the end of the first half. And I said, well, that's a penalty. And they didn't throw a flag. And it was at least as bad or as egregious as the Mahomes one at the end of the game. But one was called and the other one wasn't. So why is that? And why is there that inconsistency? That's what the NFL needs to address. We're talking to Clark Judge, a uh, fantastic NFL writer and reporter, also a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame Committee. Uh, I was looking at the list of the semifinalists for the class of 2023. Uh, what jumps out at you at this class? And, and maybe can you just tell our audience just a little bit, Clark, on this process when it you know 129 gets whittled down to it looks like uh like 15 or 19 at this point and what happens next okay so we have 15 modern era players that are finalists at this point modern era is defined by 20 years or less um time after your retirement so if you're if you've been retired you know 25 years so you go into a different category it's called the senior category and so um, what you do is take that uh, first list, which is a um, preliminary list of 129, whittle down to 25 semifinalists, and then to 15 finalists, modern era finalists. And the reason you said 19 is because we have two other separate categories, one of which is the senior category for those who've been out 20 years or more. And, and, and those guys used to be one a year or two a year. Now it's three a year, so there are three, that is 18. And then you have another coach slash contributor category which is the first year in this existence and that would be for anyone who's obviously a head coach assistant coach or you say contributor owner scout gm someone's a non-player so those are your 19 that's one each year they're your 19 so those let's just take the coach contributor and the seniors off the board the 15 modern era players are discussed via zoom call which we've been doing since the pandemic 
by the board of 49 voters, and they're whittled down to 10 uh, and then to 5. And so we discussed the 15 with a presentation made on behalf of each one of those 15, and then a discussion afterwards. It could be as little as 5 minutes, could be as long as 50 minutes, but um, it is a discussion. And then at the end of all 15 presentations, there's a vote, and the vote is we've got to cut it to 10. Then we get to 10, you got to cut it to 5. And 80% or more qualifies you, once you get into 5, to make it as a Hall of Fame enshrinee. So um, we've met, to be honest with you, we've met. And, and so um, it, it, we cut it to 15, to 10, to 5, and, and now you have to decide, you know, who's, who's going in and who's not. That hasn't been revealed. But it's done each year before the Super Bowl. It used to be the day before. The Super Bowl genre, because of the pandemic, we stopped that, so we do this remotely. But in terms of the seniors, the three seniors and the one coach contributor, that's an up or down vote. Um, there's no whittling down there. The three seniors are presented, they're voted on, the contributor, coach, is, vo- is uh, uh, presented, voted on, and then at the end of the day, they'll say whether it's up or down. They have to get 80% of the vote. If they get 80% of the vote, they're all in. I mean. It, and it doesn't mean 80% of all. It's each one. If each individual gets 80%, they're in. If none of them get in, if none of them get 80%, then none of them get in. So we know we have at least five modern-era players who will be enshrined in 2023. And we should get, and we will get, I'm pretty sure, um, three seniors and one coach contributor. Give me an idea when... Because I know there's a presentation, and I think famously the Joe Montana presentation was... Ira Miller standing up and saying Joe Montana and sitting down. But how, how much discussion, how fierce does that discussion get among the, among the uh, voters? Depends on the candidate. Um, with Joe Montana, there was no discussion. They had the same thing with Brett Favre. Uh, Paul Doherty from Green Bay stood up and said, I've got a speech here and a presentation. Why am I doing this? Brett Favre, and he sat down, he got a standing ovation. That was it. No one, let's move on. Save us time. But then you'll get others, and the two that I can think of off the top of my head, most contentious, uh, Paul Tagliabue was one of them, and that went close to an hour, and Terrell Owens was another one, and that went close to an hour. Both times, I mean, not both times, but more than once, because they were presented more than once. And and there were um, people staunchly in the corner of for one guy and staunchly, against that same candidate, and it was a knockdown, drag-out battle. They both got in, as we know. Uh, Tagalog got in with a class of 2020. That was a centennial class, but that wasn't the Hall of Fame board. It was a board of, I think it was 25 members, uh, some of whom were Hall of Fame voters, but they had broadcasters, coaches, um, some GMs were in there, too. But um, anyway, he got in, and then Owens got in, I think, on the third vote. So, um, But those are the two that that I think of off the top of my head. And they were emotional. They were a very emotional discussion. Yeah, and I think, you know, we had Tom Flores on this show a couple of times over the years. Is he was he was uh, repeatedly, you know, trying to make his own case and saying, I don't understand it. And I know it was, it was really important to him. Um, you know, when you guys do elect a guy like Flores, as you did, um, you know, the feeling in the room has to be, you know, one of, hey, he's passed, he's, he's made it through all these rounds, all these years, he's worthy of it. I think it's a better process than the Baseball Writers Association, which I'm a member of, Clark, because I think that process is, it just feels so haphazard all the time. Yeah, I'm glad to hear you say that, because I 
agree with you, but yeah, you agree because you're on that board. Uh, yeah, that's part of it, I guess, but it does work better because you're in the room and you're all trading information and there'll be people, they'll say, I didn't, I didn't realize that. Oh, I didn't understand that. And it's, by and large, it's a really knowledgeable room with uh, specific members sort of singled out that really have done their homework on this. And there, and there are many of them, but they know things that others haven't heard of or they haven't been reported. And, and I felt that way about this year's coach, coach contributor candidate, and that's Don Coriel. I covered him. I've fought for years for him. And the fact that he got proposed this year, and I'm on that committee, the coach contributor committee, I fought for him with other guys. Dan Pouch is on that committee. And the fact that we got him now to this group so that he can be voted up or down with such a long, grueling process that goes back years we felt about him as, as others have about Tom Flores, and honestly, I felt for Tom Flores and others as well, that we, we got it right. I mean, we finally got it right. My goodness. I mean, it, you know, people not Coriel because he, he didn't get to a Super Bowl. He's three and six in the playoffs. And I'd say, well, if that's the case, I mean, why'd you put George Allen in? Why'd George Allen in? He had a two and seven playoff record. He got to the Super Bowl, but he lost it. So, you know, don't tell, tell me it works for one, doesn't work for the other. And you can get those kind of emotional debates. And, and at one point, I didn't think Don or Tom would, would make it. And, and I hope Don makes it here uh, next week. But, but Tom did, and he did it for all the right reasons. And, and you talked to him before on the show, and I, I know how he felt because I've heard it before. But, John, that's how most, if not all, of these guys feel. It, it's, a, it's a life changer. It really is something that is so different, and it's changed me in one way in that, I feel I'm doing something more valuable now than I was when I was coming to the 49ers or the Chargers yeah. or the Colts. Um, I, I feel like you, you have an ability to have an impact on somebody's life. And when I first started this, I said, my wife, if there's nothing else that happens while I'm on this board, I hope Ray Guy gets in and, and hope I can be influential in getting him in because I do not understand why he's not in. And, of course, he did. We got it in 2014 and should have. But why you had to wait that long, I, I don't know. But when it happened, I, I did understand the impact it had on him. And, and he was kind of honestly, he was kind of bitter because he said, it should happen a long time ago. My mom and dad are dead. I mean, they should have enjoyed this with me. Of course, Ray's gone now, too. But, you know, a guy like Kenny Stabler, uh, he got in after he died. And Don's up now. I mean, I would have loved to see Don get it. And he passed away. It's so tough to watch that happen. And last year, I fought man, hard with some other people for um, – an official, a, 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 a long-time officiating candidate who finally, finally got in, but it, it, it just had, it was years and years ago and, and just took forever. And um, and then he passed away this uh, winter and you go, oh my God, it, 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 at least he had a chance, at least he had a chance to know that he got in and put his mom in heaven. And, and um, but, the fact that he, when you see how it has an impact on him, um, you know, it, it, it just, it, it's, a, it's a big deal. And so it, I agree with you. I think I think we got it right, but the process does need to be tweaked, honestly. To have everyone in the same room, I think it's great, but um, the process does need to be tweaked. Clark Judge, you're the best. Thank you for giving us your time. You got it. Take care. Thanks very much. Take care of yourself. There he is. I mean, he's so right. When we bring on a guest who's a member of the Hall of Fame, how do we introduce him? Pro Football Hall of Famer, and we fill in the blank. Leave it here.
interrupt this and we interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face hey, Sorry Truth. to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.